Hello, and welcome back to Latin 3 from the Church of St. Agnes. Today we are going to be doing the homework drills and exercises from Unit 26, beginning on page 228. Um, I assigned to you the drills number 1 and 2 on page 228, first dealing with indirect questions. So let's take a look. Number 1. Shis si Paulus ad venerit. Shis, from shio, to know. Do you know if Paul ad venerit has arrived or whether Paul has arrived? Do you know if Paul has arrived? Now notice, the sequence of tense is such that in the main verb you have a present tense, you're in the primary sequence, the top half of the chart. And advenerit is a perfect subjunctive. And when you have the perfect subjunctive in the primary sequence, that shows prior time to the main verb. So do you know now if Paul has arrived? Is prior time to your knowing. Good. Number two. Rogavit quare mulieres plangerent. He asked, so immediately you're in the secondary sequence, quare, why mulieres, the women, plangerent, were weeping or crying. Now plangerent, notice, is the imperfect subjunctive. You're in secondary sequence, so you're, so you're illustrating roughly contemporaneous time. He asked why the women were crying. Good. Number three, Petrus shivit ubi Jesus dolcuiset. Okay, Peter shivit, he knew, past tense. So now you're in the secondary sequence, the bottom half of the chart. Peter knew where Jesus dolcuiset had taught. Okay, had taught. Notice dolcuiset is the pluperfect subjunctive, and in secondary sequence, the bottom half of your chart, the pluperfect subjunctive will show prior time to the main verb. So where Jesus had taught. These are all indirect questions. Uh, and these first three have been indirect questions with the subjunctive. Now look at number four. We have a little bit of a difference here. Discipulus rogabat quando Paulus interfectus est Romanis. The disciple was asking or asked when Paul Interfectus was killed by the Romans. Now notice, here we don't uh, see the subjunctive. We have Interfectus Est from Interficio, Interficio uh, meaning uh, to be killed in the passive here. Uh, so Paul uh, the disciple is the obviously the subject of the main verb. We're in the secondary sequence, but then we have an indicative. Now, as we talked about this last time, um, in classical Latin, you almost always see the subjunctive in an indirect question. But uh, sometimes in uh, later Latin, you will see the indicative, and that's what we have here. The disciple was asking when, when Paul was killed by the Romans. And number five. You audistis si Paulus Petrum videbit. You heard, did you hear, it's a question, did you hear 
if Paul would see Peter or will see Peter. It's, again, we have the indicative in the uh, subordinate clause. Audistis from, uh, notice, this is that syncopated perfect from audio, audio, audire, audivi. We would have expected audivistis, but remember, on occasion, that vi in the perfect will drop out. It's what we call the syncopated perfect. So it's the second person plural. Uh, did you hear if Paul would see, will, or will see, or would see Peter in the future? Videbit. And there we have the future indicative. Uh, again, in ecclesiastical or later Latin, you will sometimes see the indicative with an indirect question. Not so much in classical Latin. So there you have five examples of indirect questions. I think they're pretty straightforward. Let's take a look at uh, Roman numeral two. Now, before we do that, turn back on pa uh, one page to 227 and look in the vocabulary notes, uh, the last note there that Collins gives you. He says, when quis quid, who what, is not used to ask a question and occurs in a clause introduced by C, Nisi, numquid, or nay, it means someone, something, anyone, anything. A related word with these latter meanings, aliquis, aliquid, will be presented in unit uh, 31. Well, that's another way of saying an old rule um, that the word aliquis, which means it's the indefinite pronoun. Uh, we, meet, we call it indefinite because it's talking about someone who is indefinite to us. We're not sure who it is. Aliquis, aliquid means someone or something. The old rule that I was taught, and normally you see it in other grammar books, is that uh, a little crude mnemonic device, again, a little rhyme, after num, si, nisi, ne, every ali fades away. In other words, when um, a phrase is introduced by num or numquid, si, nisi, or ne, those four words, after num, si, nisi, ne, every ali fades away. In other words, the A-L-I is dropped and you just have quis or quid. And this is what we see in the first couple sentences uh, or drills on Roman numeral 2 on page 228. So remember that little ditty, after num si nisi ne, every ali fades away. Aliquis aliquid means someone, something. So that's the word that's operative here. So take a look at Roman numeral number 2, number 1. Si quis esse salvus vult me sequatur. If Si quis, after num si nisi ne. So that's si aliquis. If anyone vult, wishes esse salvus, to be safe or to be saved, me sequatur, let him follow me. So we have a condition here, and it's kind of a mixed condition because we have a hortatory subjunctive, don't we, uh, in, the, in the main verb, sequatur. Let him follow. Notice that's the subjunctive. Sequor is the third conjugation verb. We hear a, liar, a, the sign of the present subjunctive. So let him follow me. That's the main verb. 
if anyone wishes to be safe or to be saved. Good. Um, take a look at number two. Nisi quis. There we have that. Numsi nisi ne. And a quis following it. So that's going to stand for aliquis. Nisi quis huic misero sucurerit certe morietur. So if anyone does not help this wretched man, he will certainly die. Or we can say, unless anyone will have helped this wretched man, he will certainly die. Notice what we have here is a future more vivid condition with a future perfect indicative in the C clause, the Nisi clause, and a future indicative in the apodosis or the then clause, morietur. So we have two futures. One's a future perfect, which normally, or at least often, uh, occurs in the uh, protasis of a condition. So unless someone or anyone will have helped, and notice that takes the dative case, sucurere takes the dative case, huic misero, this wretched fellow, this poor guy, certainly he will die. Um, the word sucuro comes from um, the word uh, kuro, to run, sub, up, under, to run to one's assistance, um, therefore to aid, and this takes the dative case. That's why huic misero is in the dative. So future more vivid condition. Okay, good. Number three, a quo liber scriptus est, an a Ioane. So here we have a relative clause, and it's a question, or a relative, uh, I'm sorry, it's an interrogative question introduced by a quo. By whom is the book, or has the book been written? By whom was the book written? Liber scriptus, liber is the subject, scriptus est, was written. By whom was the book written? So it's an interrogative phrase in the ablative, um, asking who wrote the book, by whom was the book written? Was it by John? On there. Was it by John? Question. Okay. So there's a good example of your interrogative pronoun in the ablative case. Okay. Uh, take a look at four. Quocum Petrus Cenabat. Again, another question. Quocum. Now remember that cum goes on the end uh, as an enclitic of these uh, pronouns when they're in the ablative. So we have to take that off in our mind. With whom was Peter dining? With whom? Quocum, right? Uh, quocum Petrus Cenabat. With whom was Peter dining? Okay, that's pretty straightforward. How about number five? Quibus verbis apostoli a Jesu docti sunt. Okay, now we see quibus verbis standing out there. We say, oh, that's ablative or dative. We don't know for sure yet. Apostoli, there's the subject. The apostles were taught, docti sunt, by Jesus. With what words? By means of what words? This is an ablative of means, isn't it? That's why there's no preposition. Quibus verbis. With what words or by what words were the apostles taught by Jesus? Docti sunt is the verb. Uh, notice it agrees with apostoli. They're the subject. Uh, it's the perfect passive indicative. The apostles were taught by Jesus by what words or with what words. Okay, and here we have interrogative adjectives coming up, don't we? Qua, I'm sorry, que festa 
celebras? Que festa celebras? What feasts are you celebrating or do you celebrate? You celebrate what feasts? Notice que there, that's the neuter. Qui, 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 que, quod. Qui, que, quod. And then in the plural, qui, que, que. So uh, that's modifying festa. What fe feasts or feast days are you celebrating? Um, okay. Good. Number seven. These are straightforward, I think, uh, but giving you a lot of practice on questions and the use of quis quid. Quid in agro vidisti. There's your verb vidisti. You saw quid. What in the field? What did you see in the field? Okay, that's your interrogative quid. Um, pretty straightforward. Um, now, uh, number eight. Notice we had quid in seven. Now we have quid in eight, but quid's acting in a little bit different way. Quid panem non chapit. Quid here, we, it doesn't agree with panem, right? So that can't be. Then we say non chapit. Uh, and we say, ah, uh, quid. That's the interrogative meaning why. Why did he not take the bread? Quid non chapit panem. Quid panem non chapit, either way, what or why did he not take the bread? Remember that quid can mean why when it acts like that adverbial uh, accusative, as Collins has pointed out on page 226 in section 141. So here we have a why. Why did he not take the bread? Quid, very versatile word in Latin, uh, and you have to see if it uh, stands for question, um, or as an interrogative, or as one of these adverbial accusatives, uh, or if it's an interrogative adjective modifying something else, um, or actually that won't be, it would be qui qui quod, so quid as a question, or an interrogative pronoun, uh, or an adverbial accusative. Okay, qui coronam dabunt, qui in the dative, right? To whom will they give the crown? They will give the crown to whom? Qui in the dative, indirect object. Therefore, in the dative case, dabunt is the verb, coronam is the direct object. And it's a question. They will give the crown to whom? Qui. Good. Okay. Quem regem judeorum vocabant. Okay. Quem regem judeorum vocabant. Vocabant is your verb. It's a question here, too. Um, whom were they calling the king of the Jews? Um, you might read it at first and say, well, quem is an interrogative pronoun modifying regime. Theoretically, that could be the case, but then it wouldn't make much sense. Which king of the Jews were they calling? Probably not. Whom were they calling? And then we have uh, a positive right, or a predicate uh, noun, whom were they calling king of the Jews, right? Um, so the quem, whom were they calling, and then regem judeorum agrees with, regem agrees with the quem. So whom were they calling the king of the Jews? Now look at number 11, quorum. When we see quorum, it's often best in your mind to think uh, of the word whose in English. Um, quorum est regnum celorum. 
Whose is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is of whom or whose? Whose, in other words, it belongs to whom? So whose is the kingdom of heaven? Another question. And then 12, quis est mea mater, quis sunt me fratres? This is a uh, quotation that's basically from uh, the gospel when Jesus asks, who is my mother? Quis est mea mater? Quis, the interrogative adjective. Who is my mother? Quis sunt me fratres? Who are my brothers or my brethren? Um, there you have it. So good drills on both the indirect question and on the interrogatives, quis, quid. All right, let's turn to our exercises and go through the sentences that I assigned last time. Remember, these weren't just strictly even and odds, but a compilation of sentences that I picked out for you. So I hope you have them. The first one was number one. Et interrogabat quis eset et quid fecisset from Acts of the Apostles. Et interrogabat. And he was asking. So we got an indirect question coming. You can see. Quis eset. And he was asking who he was and what he had done. Uh, the quiz essay is somebody else, obviously. So someone was asking, he was asking. And then we have the inter interrogative words quiz and then quid. And we have two indirect questions. Notice the time relationship of the verbs. Interrogabat is secondary sequence, right? We're, it's a past tense, so we're in the bottom half of our sequence of tense chart. And then we have quis eset, imperfect subjunctive, showing roughly the same time as the main verb. He was asking who he was at quid and what fechisit he had done. Notice, pluperfect subjunctive to show prior time to the main verb. That's a nice sentence to show you the two sequences of tense, contemporaneous and prior time in a, in an, in a uh, indirect question in secondary sequence. Very good. Okay, number three. Numquid Paulus crucifixus est provobis, aut in nomine Pauli baptizati estis. Now when we see the numquid, remember, that's a word or uh, a particle, a word that's going to express uh, a condition or a, a question that expects a no answer. Paul crucifixus est provobis. Was Paul crucified for us? Or baptizati estis? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. You were baptized in the name of Paul and Jesus, or in the name of Jesus, and you were crucified on, and Jesus was crucified on behalf of us. So the question expects a no answer. Was Paul crucified for you, on behalf of you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? No, Paul says this to the Corinthians. Don't, you're not a real disciple of mine. You should be a disciple of Jesus. Good. Okay, number five. This will be a, uh, something familiar to you all. Est autem consuetudo vobis, ut unum dimitam vobis in Pascha, vultis ergo dimitam vobis regem Judeorum. This is Pilate speaking, isn't it, during the Passion. There is, however, a consuetudo vobis, a, a custom to you, in relationship to you. This is a, uh, a dative of possession, isn't it? You have a custom. 
there is a custom to you, right? Notice vobis in the dative, consuetudo is the subject. Uh, we turn that around and we say you have a custom then. Ut, that I dimitam unam vobis, that I dismiss or release one to you during the Passover in Pascha. This is the custom whereby Pilate would release a prisoner uh, to the Jews, right? And so he says there is a custom, um, the, and the result of that custom, ut dimitam, that I dismiss to you unum, right? Now then he says, vultis, do you wish from volo? Do you wish therefore? And notice, there's no ut. Very often, volo would be followed by an ut plus a subjunctive or by an infinitive. You want me to do something. But you may also suppress the ut and just keep the subjunctive, which is what's happening here, dimitam. Do you want, therefore, that I, understood ut, that I dismiss or release to you regem judeorum, the king of the Jews? And you remember, they all cried, no, give us Barabbas, right? And he was released. So, very good example with ut plus a subjunctive. And notice in the second part of that, vultus without the ut, but still the subjunctive. And that will often uh, happen. It will often fall out. As I said, you could have used dimitere. Do you want me dimitere in the infinitive to dismiss or release to you? Um, but here, uh, the subjunctive is used. Okay, good. Now we skip down to number nine, uh, if you remember my list. Laudo autem vos quod omnia mei memores estis. Uh, now this is a good example of something we had in this last chapter. Laudo autem vos. I therefore, or however, I praise you, quote, because omnia mei memores estis. Well, the verb in the quote clause is obviously estis. You are. And memores modifies that uh, as the subject in the nominative. You are mindful. Mei, that's the genitive. Memores takes the genitive usually. You're mindful of something. So I praise you because you are mindful of me. And then you have this omnia just sitting there, standing out there. What in the world do you do with that? The verb can't go with the verb estis because estis is second person. So omnia, what all things... Well, there, this is a perfect example of what Collins calls on page 226. Look back there at the adverbial accusative. This is that accusative of specification that we talked about, right? The, the accusative, in respect to all things. So in all ways, I, I praise you because you are mindful of me in respect or in all ways, in all things. That accusative of specification in, in relation to which and in respect to which. And notice it just stands there uh, without really what looks like a grammatical connection because the verb is second person plural, so it has to be you. Um, and that omnia stands there in respect to all things. So I praise you, however, because you are mindful of me in respect to all things. I hope you got that one. It's a little tricky. It's an idiom, idiomatic usage of the accusative case in Latin. You'll see it occasionally, not a lot, but occasionally.
Okay, number 12. Uh, ecclesiam tuum peregrinantem in terra, in fide et caritate, firmare dinieris, cum famlo tuo papo nostro Ioane Paolo, et episcopo nostro en, here we would say in the Archdiocese of Minneapolis, St. Paul Bernardo, cum episcopali ordine et universo clero et omni popolo acquisitionis tue. Now, that's a mouthful, isn't it? But don't get afraid of it. Um, I know sometimes when you see a sentence like that, you just kind of, oh, no, I can't handle it. But take it easy, go step by step, read it over a couple times, and it should make sense to you. Ecclesiam tuum, notice that's in the accusative. Very often Latin will start a sentence in the accusative. Your church, right? What kind of church is it? Peregrinantem in terra. It's, it's traveling. It's, it's in the process of uh, walking. Peregrinio means to, we, take, we have the word peregrination, right? So it's traveling on the earth, right? Walking on the earth, your church. In fide et caritate firmare dinieris. Ah, now there you come with the first verb. And dinieris comes from dignor, uh, to deem worthy. And notice the mood. It's subjunctive because dignor, dignari, is a first conjugation verb. And e, we hear a liar friar, e is the sign of the present subjunctive. So it's a, it's a wish. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, uh, a, a polite command. We're talking to God. May you deem worthy, or may you deign, we often say deign. This word is used a lot in the canons of the Mass. And this is, of course, a, a, a snippet from uh, the canon there. May you deem worthy, or deign, firmare, followed by the infinitive. May you deem worthy, or deign, to make strong in faith and love, fide et caritate, Two of the theological virtues. Um, and what is it you're, you're making firm? Ecclesiam tuum. So there you have it. It's a, it's a request of God. May you deign to strengthen or make firm in faith and love your church uh, walking along on earth. We uh, Sometimes the old translation, your pilgrim church on earth. Remember that? Um, with Famolo tuo, your servant, Papa Nostro, our Pope, Ioane Paolo. This book is obviously old now, or not, uh, not our current Pope, but this is John Paul, with our Pope, John Paul, and Episcopo Nostro, our Bishop. And then you supply the Bishop's name, in our case, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, it's Bernardo, Bernard, with cum Episcopale Ordine, with the uh, Episcopal order, the order of bishops, et universo clero, and the entire clergy, et omni populo, and all the people acquisitionis to it, of your acquisition or of your, um, the people that you have acquired for yourself, right, of your acquisition. So the main verb here, dinieris, may you deem it worthy or may you uh, deign Please deign to make strong your church uh, on earth, uh, your pilgrim church, your traveling, your church that travels on earth, that journeys on earth in faith and love. And then with your servant, the Pope, the bishop, all the bishops, 
and the universal clergy and all the people of your acquisition, right? Good. Um, so the key to that sentence is dinieris, and it's a uh, it's a polite request, a wish, a, a kind of uh, a hortatory urging subjunctive, right? Let's take a look at thirteen. Lucifero orto in nos in dogma resurrectionis credentes nova vita spirata est. Okay, so immediately in Latin when you see an ablative standing out there with a participle and set off by commas. I hope you haven't forgotten the construction of ablative absolute. So here we have the light-bearing star, the day star, orto, having arisen from orior. The, 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 the day star having arisen, right? That's the circumstance of the Ablative absolute phrase. Remember, it's a circumstantial clause expressing time, cause, condition, or concession. So now, with the the day star having arisen, then we have to find uh, the rest of our sentence. In nos in dogma resurrectionis credentes nova vita speratest. There's our subject nova vita because we see the verb sperata s. New life has been breathed literally. New life has been breathed in nos, into us, in nos, right? Into us. New life has been breathed. What kind of us? Nos in dogma resurrectionis credentes. Ah, I hope that you connected the credentes with the nos. That's a participle modifying nos. Into us. What kind of us? Believing us. We. I hope that you... Uh, that you saw that new life has been breathed into us, us believing in dogma resurrectionis, in the dogma of the resurrection. This uh, is has reference to the great Easter hymn, the Exultet, uh, uh, where Jesus is called the day star, Lucifer. Remember that sometimes uh, the, the devil himself is was named Lucifer in some context, because he was the brightest of the angels. But here, this uh, reference is to the day star, the one who has arisen, orto, arisen from the dead, and um, new life, under that circumstance, the, the day star having arisen, new life has been breathed into us, those of us who believe in the dogma of the resurrection. Uh, tricky little sentence because of the credentes, but I hope you see it now. Okay, uh, number 15. An nescitis quoniam corpus vestrum templum est spiritus sancti, qui in vobis est, quem habetis ad Deo, et non estis vestri? And the whole thing is a question, actually a couple questions. On, or is it the case that you do not know? Is it that you do not know, quoniam, that, corpus vestrum, your body, Templum est is a temple, spiritus sancti, of the Holy Spirit. So Paul's asking the Corinthians here, don't you know, is it, is it the case that you don't know, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit qui in vobis est, which is in you, quem habetus adeo, whom you have from God. So the Spirit which is in you and whom you have from God. So we have relative clauses there. 
right? Is that is the case that you don't know this? And is it the case that you don't know that non estis vestri and that you are not vestri, your own? You are not vestri from um, uh, West there, right? Um, your own. So in other words, you, we are not our own because we belong to God. We belong to the Holy Spirit. So is it the case that, or don't you know, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit which is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not yours, you are not your own? In other words, we are possessions of God. Very good. Good sentence from the Corinthians, from the letter to the Corinthians. Okay, 16. None Moises dedit vobis legem? Question. And when you see none, you're going to expect a positive answer, right? An affirmative answer. So we would say, uh, didn't Moses give to you the law? Did not Moses give you the law? Notice dedit takes the accusative legem, but an indirect, uh, indirect object also, vobis, to you. And we're expecting a yes answer, so we, we have to phrase it that way in English. Moses gave you the law, didn't he? Something like that. Or did not Moses give you the law? Expecting, yes, indeed, he did. Pretty straightforward sense, but a good example of the use of none. Let's take 19. Quid me interrogas? Interroga eos qui audierunt quid locutus sumipsis, ecce hisciunt que dixerum ego. This is from John 18. It's the scene in the Passion when uh, Pilate is uh, questioning Jesus, right? Quid me interrogos? Why are you questioning me? There's that quid that means why, that, uh, that adverbial use of, the, of quid. Why are you questioning or interrogating me? Uh, ask those, interroga. Notice there's the uh, imperative, interroga. Ask those, qui, who heard, audi erunt, quid locutus sum ipsis, what I said to them. There's an indirect question. Those who heard, quid locutus sum ipsis, what I said to them. Notice the use of the indicative, not the uh, subjunctive here, in Ecclesiastical Latin. Um, ask those who heard what I said to them. Behold, ecce, they know, que dixerum ego, what I said. And notice, he uses there the subjunctive. So we have a mixture. We have, we have uh, two indirect questions, one using the indicative, one using the subjunctive. Ask those who heard quid locutusum what I said to them. Behold, ecce, throw that word out, really says, listen, you know, look here. They know, he, she, these guys know, que, the things which I, dixerum, said to them, ego, dixerum, um, que, they're the neuter, uh, standing for ea, que, right, the things which, neuter, relative pronoun, um, they know what, I said, and notice, dixerum is the perfect subjunctive to show prior time to the main verb. They know now what I said to them previously. So very nice use of the indirect question there, and you see it both in the indicative and in the subjunctive. 
Good. Uh, how about 21? Respondens autem judas, qui tradita deum, dixit. Numquid ego sum, rabbi? Okay. So we see here Judas is the subject. Judas, however, qui tradit, who handed him over, who betrayed him. Responding, Judas, who handed him over, said. So qui tradit eo modifies Judas, as does respondens, the participle. Judas, what kind of Judas is he? He's a responding Judas. Judas, the one who betrayed him. Dixit said, there's the main verb, and here's the quote. Numquid ego sum rabbi, rabbi, we should say rabbi in, in Latin. Numquid ego sum rabbi, um, is it I, teacher? Rab, rab, rabbi, of course, in Hebrew means teacher. Um, and what kind of uh, answer is Judas expecting? Well, he's hoping for a no answer, but of course we know that it is he, and uh, he is the betrayer. So it's not I, is it? It's not me, we'd say in colloquially in English. It's not me, is it, teacher? I'm not the one that's going to betray you, is it? And um, Jesus says, you know, you say it. And then Judas leaves, of course. So the numquid ego sum, expecting, Judas is hoping, or at least expecting, hoping to get a no or negative answer. Okay, uh, good. Number 24. Dum Jesu doctori prestolantur discipuli stantes in fide fortes in domo orabant. Okay, we have a dum clause here. Dum while prestolantur. They were waiting, while they are waiting for, and that takes prestolor, takes the, if you looked in your vocabulary, takes the dative. We have Jesu doctori, Jesus, the teacher Jesus. That's why he's in the dative. While they are awaiting the teacher of Jesus, the disciples, right? Stantes and fide fortes, standing fortes, strong in faith, or abant, were praying in the house. So the, the subject is the disciples, they were praying, dorabant in domo, in the house. What kind of disciples are they? Stantes and fide fortes. A participial phrase modifying discipline, standing in faith strong, or standing strong in faith, right? And the dum clause, while they await, or while they are awaiting, or while they were awaiting the uh, teacher Jesus, right? Um, and dum will commonly take a present uh, when it means uh, while, uh, even when it's in a past tense uh, sentence like oraban. So while they were waiting, continuous action, uh, the disciples, standing strong in faith, were praying in the home or in the house. Okay, and uh, take a look at 25. Uh, again, a uh, passage which you, uh, with which you'll be familiar. Magis there. Quid boni faciam ut habeam vitam eterna. Teacher, master, magis, magis there. Quid boni faciam. Here we have a deliberative subjunctive, isn't it? A question, right? Quid boni faciam? What of good can I, might I do? What of good? That theoretically could be a future. What will I do? But probably more a, a, a uh, deliberative subjunctive. What is it that I should do? What of good? Notice quid boni. 
bony in the genitive, a partitive genitive following quid. What of good? In other words, we would say in English, what good? What good thing might I do or may I do, should I do? Ut, purpose clause, so that, right, I might have, in order that I might have vitam eternum, eternal life. And you remember Jesus said to the young man, well, keep the commandments. He said, well, I do all that. He said, well, then sell everything you have and take up your cross and follow me. And the young man went away disappointed. Yes, a very tough task to, uh, to give up everything you have and follow Jesus for eternal life. But a good example there of the nice ut clause uh, with the subjunctive. Okay, uh, number 26. Sancte Petre, patrone noster, duc martires laborantes pro domino ad triumphum. So here we have an uh, intercession. Uh, we ask Sancte Petre in the vocative case, right? You see the E in the second declension vocatives. Holy Peter, Saint Peter, patrone noster, our patron. There's the verb duke, lead. Remember the four verbs, duke, deke, foc, fair, should have had an E, but it's not there. That's the singular imperative. Lead the martyrs. What kind of are the witnesses, right? The martyrs. Laborantes, laboring pro domino, on behalf of the Lord, ad triumphum, to triumph, to victory. So Holy Peter, our patron, lead the martyrs who are laboring on behalf of the Lord to triumph or to victory. Nice sentence. Okay, good. Pretty straightforward. Let's take a look at number 30, our next one. Quid mihi prodest si mortui non resurgunt, manducemus et bibamus, cras enem moriemur. This is from Corinthians, okay. So, quid mihi prodes, prodes from prosum, meaning to benefit, to be of good, to be of help. And it takes the dative um, in respect to, quid prodes me, what good is it? What help is it to me? What profit it, what does it profit to me in reference to me, dative of respect? What good does it do me, in other words? See mortui, if mortui, if the dead non resurgunt do not rise. In other words, if we as Christians don't have the resurrection, then everything is hollow. So he says, what good is it to me? What, what, how does it help me? What help is it to me if the dead do not rise? Manducemus et bibamus cross enum moriemur. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we shall die. This is, of course, a, uh, an Epicurean philosophical approach um, uh, that says that uh, we shouldn't be bothered by the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, live our lives to the fullest, uh, because once we're dead, we're dead, and the soul disintegrates. So Paul is saying to the Corinthians, uh, I'm talking to him about their faith in the resurrection. And he says, you know, what profits, what profit is there to me, quid mihi protest, if the dead don't die? If that's the case, manducemus et bibamus, let us eat and let us drink. Those are hortatory subjunctives, aren't they? Manduco, manducare, and bibo, bibere, first conjugation and third conjugation respectively, we hear a liar, friar. Let us eat and let us drink, 
for tomorrow, moriemo, we will die, right? So let's live it up. If, the res if, if there's no hope for the afterlife, in other words, right? Good sentence, good, good example from 1 Corinthians. Okay, 31. Quomodo potest hic nobis carnem suum dare ad manducandum. Ah, uh, this is a good, good uh, sentence from John 6, um, the discourse on uh, the bread of life. Uh, Quomodo, in what way, how, potest, is he, is this guy able, nobis carnum suum dare, to give dare nobis to us, carnum suum, his flesh, ad manducandum, for the purpose of eating. Remember this idiomatic Use of the gerund or gerundive. Here we have a gerund, ad manducandum, right, for eating, in order to eat. Ad plus the accusative to show purpose with the gerund or gerundive. So the, remember the crowd says, uh, Jesus says, I am, you know, I am the bread of life. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you will, have no, uh, you will not have everlasting life. And people say, well, how is this guy able to give to us his flesh? Ad manducanum, for eating, right? And remember, after that, Jesus um, insisted that this is the case, and many of his disciples uh, departed as a result. Um, he lost them there because they just refused to, to believe in the actual um, uh, meaning of the Eucharist, really, what he's talking about, the eating of the real flesh and blood of our Lord. So a good example from John and that ad manducandum, the gerund there, ad plus the accusative to show purpose. Okay, number 32. Quid ergo dicemus ad hec, si deus pronobis quis contra nos. Uh, from, the Rome, from Romans, letter to the Romans. Quid ergo. What therefore shall we say to these things? Dicemus, future of Dico in the third conjugation, E is the sign of the future. What therefore shall we say to these things? Si Deus pronobis, if God is est, understood, pronobis, if God is for us, quis contra nos, who is against us? If God be for us, then who be against us? Very good sentence, very famous, we know that one. Okay, number 35. Quomodo autem nunc vidiat nesimus, Aut quis eus aperuit oculos nos nesimus. This one's from John 9, and if you remember what goes on there, that's the healing of the man who was born blind. So we have the quomodo autem nunc videat nesimus. Now look at that. We have two verbs right next to one another. You say, well, what in the world's going on here? Well, when that happens, you look at the word videat and nesimus, you see that nesimus is in the indicative and vidiat is in the subjunctive. You're going to therefore assume that vidiat, even if you're not reading nicely in, in word order as we have it, that's going to be the uh, subordinate verb because it's the subjunctive. And look at quomodo, it's introduced by quomodo. How, however, in what way, however, now he sees nesimus. There's the main verb. We do not know. So what we have here is an indirect question. We do not know, that's the main verb, in the indicative, and then quomodo, how this guy now sees, nunc videat. Um, it's, a, it's a nice example of an indirect question. We don't know in what way or how he is seeing now. 
Same time as the main verb, present subjunctive, we're in the top half of the chart. Nationalist is a primary tense. Therefore, vidiot shows the, roughly the same time as the main verb. We don't know how it is that he is now seeing outquis or who apuerit opened, or, I'm sorry, or we do not, uh, he repeats the nationalist, or we do not know who opened his eyes. Now, again, this is an interesting sentence because we have two indirect questions, both introduced by the verb nesimus. We do not know. The first, the first part of the sentence, nesimus, we do not know how this guy now sees. Then we have an alternative, or nesimus, we don't know, quis eus aperuit oculus oculos, nor do we know how, who opened his eyes. Uh, notice there's the subject uh, in Nesimus, but the object is oculos, oculos eos, his eyes, aperuit. But notice aperuit now is in the indicative mood. So we have an indirect question. In, in the same sentence, we have two really indirect questions, one using the subjunctive, one using the indicative. Um, in classical Latin, we'd see that aperuit in the subjunctive, almost certainly in the subjunctive. But in later Latin, like this, we, it, the indicative can be used. So one more time, it, uh, this is the, these are, uh, uh, people are asking, uh, the uh, um, uh, Jewish authorities are asking the bystanders of this miracle how it is that he sees. And the people say, well, we don't know how it is now that he is seen, or we don't know who it was who opened his eyes. Of course, it was Jesus. Good. Okay, number 36. Quis redere potest id quod perditomes? Quis, who potest redere? Who is able to give back? Re, do, do, re, again, to give back. Who is able to give back, id quod, that which perditomes has been lost? Who can render back or who can return or who can give back it quote, that thing which has been lost, perditomes. Pretty straightforward sentence. And number 38. Nam semper pauperis habetus vobiscum, me autem no semper habetis. Oh, this is from Matthew. Remember this passage. For you always, habetis, have pauperes, poor people, paupers, vobiscum, with you, me autem. But I, me, however, non semper habetus, you do not always have. Um, this was, I believe, when the uh, woman was uh, giving uh, all of the anointing Jesus' feet with uh, precious oils, and the apostles re uh, remonstrated with her and rebuked her and said that this, this could have been sold, and the money could have give, been given to the poor, and in a sort of shocking way, uh, which is very interesting, Jesus says, well, you know, you always have the poor with you, but me, you do not always have. Um, so there you have it. Oh, good. So there, there are your sentences. I hope that you uh, did well on those and understand them all now. And let's uh, finally take a look at our reading, The Last Supper, understood by Paul, um, this famous passage from Corinthians. I think you're probably very familiar with it. Uh, let's go through it. And I think uh, that it will be pretty obvious what's being said here. 
ego enem acepi ad domino quod et tradidi vobis. So I indeed have received from the Lord what uh, also I handed to you, right? Ego enem, I have accepted or received ad domino from the Lord, and that thing also I handed over to you. Quonia, that, Dominus Jesus, Lord Jesus, in qua nocte, uh, notice your note says it's the same as in nocte, in qua, which is in which night or in the night in which trade bator, he was being betrayed or he was handed over. Akchepit, he took panem, he took bread, panem, et gratias agens, there's your participle, and that's your idiom, gratias ago, to give thanks. Giving thanks, fregit, he broke it, et dixit, and he said, here's a quote, hoc est corpus meum, this is my body, quod which provobisa is provobis, for you. Hoc facite, plural command to the apostles, do this in meum commemoration, in my remembrance, right, for my remembrance. Similiter, similarly, in a similar way, et calicem, also the chalice or the cup. Postquam cenatum est, after uh, there was a dinner, or after there was a dining, literally, uh, it had been dined, literally, it had been eaten. Impersonal use of the neuter, passive very often in Latin, after dinner, after they dined. Dicent, saying, still the subject is Jesus, so that's in the nominative. Hic calix novum testamentum est in meo sanguine. This chalice est novum testamentum is the new testament or the new covenant. Testamentum is the word in Latin for covenant, right? This chalice is the new covenant in meo sanguine, in my blood. Hoc facite, again the command, do this, plural. Y'all do this. As often as you bibetis, you will drink in meum commemorationem, in my memory, in commemoration of me, right? Quotius cumque enim manducabitus panem huc calicem bibetis. For, for quotius cumque, as often as you manducabitis, as you will eat panem hunc this bread, at Kalichem Bibetis, and drink, and as often as you will drink this chalice, Kalichem or cup, mortem domini annunciatis donic veniat. You announce, mortem domini, the, the death of the Lord, donec veniat. Donec plus the subjunctive, like dum plus the subjunctive, until he comes. Veniat. Dum, the anticipatory subjunctive. Dum or donec until he comes. So as often, for as often as you will eat this bread and will drink this cup, you will you announce the, the death of the Lord until he comes. So there you have that nice passage from uh, the Last Supper and, of course, the words of institution at Mass. Uh, the liturgy are taken largely uh, from this passage as well as some from the other Gospels that talk about the institution of the Blessed Sacrament at the Last Supper. Okay, so there you have our lesson. I hope you understood. There were some 
tricky uh, sentences in there, some tricky points of grammar, but a lot of good review of the of the uh, grammatical structures which we've just had and have been learning these last couple times. Um, remember, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to email me, and we'll be back with you soon with uh, the next unit. So have a great day, and God bless. Bye-bye.